Hi, Devin. Thank you for joining us today. Devin Wilson has spent two years teaching in Yunnan province in China, and after that, he has took on a trip, traveled around China to a lot of different provinces. He's now doing an exchange program in Taiwan. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your background, why you were in China, and your trips? Great. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It's 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 great to be here and talk with you today. I yeah. So a little bit about my background. I initially. Went to China as as a, a full time elementary English teacher,、um, where I I volunteered in the the Yunnan province in in south southwest China,、um, and then during that time I during the the winter and summer breaks I I chose to stay and and study Chinese and also learn more about the international school system and in, in in Shanghai, and so I guess yeah initially within those two years it was it was really a Uh, horizon expanding experience for me, and then I later on I, I, I returned to the U.S. and did start master's studies, and、um, I, I had the opportunity to go back to, to China again as a student,、um, where I studied with the, the Fulbright program and studied Chinese and, and Chinese education at, at Changshi Normal University,、um, which is which is in the city of Xi'an.、Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, that's 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 my primary. Experience working as a teacher and, and student, and and since that I have continued my study in, in Chinese, and I I've been working on different educational projects that that involve a collaboration between the U.S. and China. So you were in Yunnan between 2013 to 2015.、Mm-hmm. I was in I was in Delhi. I've been there too. Is that yes? I was in, or kind of an outer an outer area of Delhi, sure. Um, kind of living in a an area that has a, a fair amount of of Izu population, so I was、Ew. about I was about five and a half hours away from Xiaoguan.、Mm. What what was that place like? Um, it was it was、uh, it was a smaller village of a of, of just about a couple thousand people, and students would come from. Uh, a radius of about an hour long motorcycle ride to to come to school in the in the village center. Um, 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 you know, I I'll, I'll probably mention about how the students were very welcoming to、uh, me as a foreign teacher, and so I was able to get to know students as well outside of the classroom and their families and see、um, kind of where they were coming from.、Uh, but then also, you know, I I could also mention that、um, you know in the summers I was able to be involved with. An international school in, in Shanghai, which was a which was a different experience as as well,、um, and you know it's like for those students they had much lo- higher levels of English proficiency, so I was able to do more with them,、um, you know, in terms of more challenging activities and things, which was which was a great experience as well. So I've been to Yunnan, several cities in Yunnan and villages. <clears throat> I've been to Delhi as well. I know that there's a lot of them.、Um, Ethnicities there, and、um, I just noticed that they have to learn Chinese as well because that's not their language. Yeah, that's true. I I think I think teaching teaching an area with a fair amount of minority students, it's、mm-hmm. it provides an an additional、um, challenge because for for a lot of the teachers who are teaching these students from a young level,、um, young age, they they try to work with students in their mother tongue,、um, you know, teaching students with in Both the the E dialect as well as as standard Mandarin,、um, and so 
Yeah, I think I think one of the great things that the school would do is they would try to do activities to promote and preserve the local uh, Izu culture and dialect, and um, and then in addition to that, it was it was actually interesting that a lot of the the students from the E minority were actually very good English students as well because they spoke two separate languages already in terms of being able to speak, um, you know, the the E dialect in home. And then to be able to speak Mandarin and then English was, was really a third language for them. So it's, it's actually some of my, some of those students had great, uh, great language study abilities. Okay. So were you the first English teacher they had from overseas? I, I was the second. There was, there was one teacher who started at the school the year before me. And then uh, I, I joined in the first year we worked together and then, she finished the program, and I I stayed on as the uh, as the the only foreign teacher at my school the second year. But that being said, uh, what was great is that there was a network of of foreign teachers, and we all worked together in terms of uh, curriculum planning and and sharing what what we were doing and how we were growing in different ways as teachers. And um, so, yeah, I think I think it's really important, especially as a new teacher, to be a part of a learning community like that. Okay, so um, how how is it different living in Yunnan as opposed to living in Shanghai or other places in China? Yeah, I'd I'd say I'd say a major difference in terms of living in Yunnan versus living in Shanghai is is the um, just the pace is quite different um, in terms of it's a little bit slower pace in in really most cities outside of China's uh, you know four main first-tier cities being Beijing, Shanghai, Shenzhen, and Guangzhou. Um, and so, yeah, different different pace of life, and also just people have different views in terms of, of education and, and uh, you know, what the importance of education is be, should be. And also, I think it manifests in different ways in terms of what students do during the, the breaks and on the weekends and things like that. And so, um, really, really, it was great to spend some time in, in Yunnan and, and be a part of that school environment. And I've, I've heard that in a lot of ways, um, traditional Chinese culture has been very well preserved in, in more rural areas. Can you give me an example? Yeah, or just, just for instance, in, like traditionally in China, when people would, would greet each other, I've been told that people would say, essentially, have you eaten? Right. And when you live in a city like Shanghai or Beijing, it's it's not very often that that you'll hear that. Right. Um, but like living living in an area like Yunnan, that's for instance that phrase or some of these kind of more traditional phrases and sayings, you'll you'll often hear them. You know, that's that's typically how I would how teachers at at the school would greet me um, and things like that. And then even just little little things about culture and people's beliefs are are really fascinating in terms of. I think in uh, in rural areas of Yunnan, people people take practices of of um, you know paying homage to and, and recognizing local local de- deities. They take that very seriously, and mm-hmm. um, you know in terms of um, you know the gods of the mountain or the springs or different different forces out there, and and so it was, it was neat to to be able to observe that and and, and you know understand their perspectives in terms of the relationship between their lives and nature. So, yeah, I feel like those were those are a couple, couple examples of some of the different things that you see outside of the main cities. But then 
um, you know, large cities like you, you're also it's you're able to see a different angle of China as well, and you know one that's perhaps widely covered in in news and 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 things. And so it's, yeah, it's in a different way. It's great to learn about what's happening in more urban environments as well. Yeah. So I remember when I went to visit Yulongjueshan, the stone mountain. Uh, how do you,、mm-hmm. how do you translate jade? Jade Dragon Snow Mountain, and then、mm-hmm. there is a deity there, a statue of、uh, the Snake Lady Nuwa. I think there is a woman's lady's head with a snake body, but she has a lot of tails as well. That's one of the goddess. I think that's that's one of the oldest goddess in, in Chinese history. But they they actually worship her there. It was in mythology in Chinese culture. I read it in a book, but I actually see the statue. I saw the statue of her in Yunnan Province. Well, yeah, yeah. That's, that's that's pretty fascinating. Yeah, yeah. They also have frog. They they worship frog there because、um, it's a symbol of having a lot of offspring,s I guess. And then there's a、uh, Buddhism there too, Tibetan Buddhism. When I was in Shangri-La. Well, yeah, that's yeah, it's really it's really fascinating. I I yeah, one day I'd love to go up and explore that area more as well. Okay, so yeah,、um, it's more they're more close to the nature there. And then they believe that there's God in the nature. It's more like paganism, right? Yeah, yeah. I guess you could say that. I, I, yeah. I guess, I guess you could say that. But it's, it's, it's an interesting set of beliefs. And, and I think even in a lot of areas, you have, you have blends of, of,、um, you know, Taoism and also Confucian thought. And so I think that that、uh, manifests itself in, in really interesting ways. Did you say something、uh, different, different type of blend?、Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I <laughs> yeah, I mean, I could, I could really get into that, but I think you know, it's I, I could, we could talk all night about Confucianism and you know, how it relates in terms, terms of people's、uh, beliefs and 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 the way that people perceive their ties to one another and ties to social connections, and so、um, yeah, I think I think it's it's present really throughout China.、Hmm. How how has teaching in China affected your personal and professional life? Yeah, I'd say I'd say for me, it's it's had a, a huge impact on on both aspects.、Um, in terms of personal life, I think you know both the connections that I made in school, in terms of、uh, the connections I made with students, I, I I I grew really close to the students who I worked with. I taught my first year, I taught third and fifth grade. And then my second year, I taught fourth through sixth grade, and、um, and even now it's been two years since I worked as a full time teacher at that at that at the school where I initially taught. But I still remain very close with my students, and actually there was、um, one who I was just、uh, getting in touch with on WeChat just a few days ago to check in about how he's been doing and how things are as he's starting off with junior high. Learn English, which is which is such an important subject at this stage in China in terms of. Giving students opportunities to advance their their educational careers and and、uh, go further with their education,、um, and then yeah, with with the teachers, there there are a lot of teachers who you know I really learned a lot from in terms of working with them and seeing the way that they work and and、uh, interact with students and and teach in the classroom. I think I think there's a lot of lot of really Interesting things that the Chinese teachers do that are, are quite different from Western classrooms,、um, and then yeah, and, and then just for the friends who I made outside of the, outside of the school as well, it's it's、uh, been great to keep in touch with them. And I feel like 
as my relationships grow with them, you know, not only am I uh, learning more about them and things, but it's, it's even, it's, it's often like a window to learn about Chinese culture as well and, and a different part of the world. So that's, that's about personal. And in terms of professional, it's since going and teaching in China for a period of time, I, for me, uh, Chinese education and, and Chinese culture and the, and the study of Chinese language has been a, a continuous area of interest for me. So um, since initially starting and, and working as a, a teacher for those two years, I, I ended up going back and doing a Fulbright language study program, um, which is which is really a, a great opportunity to help me take my Chinese to the next level. Um, and then I was able to, uh, after graduating from a master's program, I was able to continue on uh, with with using my Chinese in the workplace and, and working on educational projects that, that relate with China. I only know that for my generation and uh, two generations before before me. Chinese people, Chinese young scholars, they there's a huge trend of us migrating to U.S. or immig- not immigrating, but uh, coming to U.S. to go to schools here, learn and try to thrive here. That would be the definition of uh, being successful among the people who goes to college. What would you say to people who doesn't know much about going to China from America? Yeah, that's um, that's that's a, that's a great question. I and that's actually something I think about because because I guess in this in this age, you know, China is coming to play a more and more important role in in our world, and and I think right now there's a huge disproportion in terms of there's a far larger num- amount of, of Chinese students coming to the U.S. and learn about U.S. culture and, and you know, there are far less American students going abroad to China and, and I guess, having the same uh, in-depth exchange. So, so I, think, I think for somebody going from the U.S. to China, I think I would, I would mostly recommend just going in with an open mind and you know, coming, I guess, realizing what judgments you, you may be carrying or what, what sorts of uh, preconceived notions you may be carrying going into things. But really, I think if you go and you, you, you live in China for a period of time with an open mind and you're, you're you know, really interested to hear people's opinions and, and observe the way that people live and stuff, I think it's a really, it can be a very eye-opening and, and I guess, horizon-expanding experience. And so... Yeah, to me, I think that's always, that's been something that's really made it uh, such a great experience for me, the opportunities that I've had uh, thus far to, to live and work in China um, is really, I guess, is, is keeping an open mind and, and taking the different advantages that come up to, uh, get to get to know people and get to learn more about Chinese culture. How does China make you feel it's still interesting? And how did you decide to learn Chinese and get into Chinese culture at the first place? Yeah, so I, I think in my case, I I initially decided to, to study Chinese was was primarily so I, because I matched up with an organization that I thought would be a good fit for me in terms of growing as a teacher and and making a positive educational impact with students. And so for me, my my initial interests were, were mostly educational and educational driven, but it was also a large secondary reason was that I, I realized that actually I didn't know that much about China and, and 
to me, it was, it was a part of the world that I was fairly ignorant about. And so the idea of going and, and I guess, pushing myself to learn about an area and a place that I, I knew very little about was actually a very invigorating for me. Um, and so that, that yeah, those are really the, the two primary reasons. And then in terms of, I guess, at this point, I've, I've worked in, and studied Chinese culture and, and, and worked in China for close to five years now. And I'd say, you know, what keeps me interested about things is, I, well, I mean, for one, it's, it's, it's a culture that's, that's existed for uh, thousands of years. And so I feel there's, you know, so much you could learn about, about China and Chinese culture and things. Uh, there's, there's just such a vast amount of history and information there. And to me, I, I love learning more about that. And uh, I'd say, secondly, sometimes I kind of imagine China as, as, as almost like the European Union within itself in terms of every province having such, and just every, every different regions having such differences in terms of culture, um, ways of life, food, um, etc. So I feel that, um, you know, there's still so many, so many places in China that I've yet to explore and learn about. And so it's exciting to think that in future opportunities I have to go and travel there that I can uh, continue to explore. Okay. What is your favorite places in China? And can you give us a little bit descriptions of the city or your trips? And you can also describe Yunnan if you want, just anywhere you think is worth sharing. Yeah, you know, I'd, I'd say, I, you know, there's, there's really a lot to offer in terms of different things. I think um, in term, as far as food goes, one, my favorite place to, to visit is Shanghai. I think uh, the food in Shanghai is really phenomenal. And uh, there's, there's a lot I like about Shanghai in terms of it's, I feel it's a city you can live and you don't, you don't need a car. Um, you know, the, the public transportation is very good. There's, it's, um, there's a lot of, in a, ways, in a lot of ways, you can really experience authentic Chinese culture in Shanghai, but there's also a lot of opportunities for, um, you know, to see like hybridizations between Eastern and Western culture. And, and uh, so that's, I guess, as a foreigner living in, in China, sometimes it's really nice uh, to be able to have access to, I guess, both aspects. Um, in terms of, in terms of, uh, I guess, I guess like scenic areas and, and uh, I guess like different, you know, out, outside of major urban areas, I, I especially like, you know, like I've already talked about the living in the Yunnan province. And also in my second year I lived in China, I had a chance to explore uh, the Hainan, uh, which is an, the Hainan province, which is an island province in South China. And um, Hainan is also a really amazing place. There's, it's, it's, kind of borderline, borderline uh, tropical. And so uh, there's just some really beautiful coastal areas and, and cheap coconuts and pineapples. And, and actually, uh, surprisingly, I never thought you could surf in China, but there's, there's good surf as well in Hainan. And so as far as uh, scenic areas go, I, I think those are two areas that I, I find especially beautiful. And they also have very rich cultures as well. Yeah. Hainan, what really amazed me is... I found I was living in a hotel and then I uh, left the hotel and I found a beach that the sand is not yellow. The sand is white and it's soft and really fine as if I'm stepping on white flower powders. And the flowers there are really beautiful. 
It's interesting in yeah, Yunnan. Yeah, in the tropical and subtropical areas in China, like Yunnan and Hainan, the trees we have in Nanjing does not blossom, but the same tree in that area blossom. Oh yeah, yeah, that, yeah, is neat. I, yeah, they're really. It's it's amazing how many, how many really pristine coastal areas of Hainan there are. Um, in terms of like very few people who live and go there, and so um, in terms of traveling, and for me, I, I did a bike trip when I was there, and there were just a lot of neat spots to to go and and explore and enjoy the beach. So I yeah, that was that was a very a really great trip in my mind. Yeah, Hainan has more flowers than Key West, but I went to snorkeling in Key West. I saw the the fish, and that was amazing underwater.、Uh, I was too young, so I didn't do scuba diving or snorkeling in Hainan. But I I went into a a boat that's shaped like a submarine, and then it goes under the water, where you can see sea cucumbers and other fishes under the sea. But it's really shallow. When I was there. Oh yeah, well that that sounds neat. I think in terms of other things that are. Are need to share. I think, I think in a lot of opportunities to work in in education and in China, I think as as an English teacher, it depends. But if you're if you're working in a elementary setting, or if you're working as a teacher who is working to promote the oral abilities of students in terms of spoken English,、um, I think I think there's a lot of room for creativity and and room for you to. Do the sorts of programs that that you'd like to do with students, and so in my time there, that was actually that was that was a great part. Is I felt like I had a lot of freedom to, I guess, try out different things with my students and find out what what they enjoyed、um, with their English study and and what was able to really help them grasp the different content and and things that we we're covering.、Uh, it was always for me. It was always a goal to have my students to be able to. Master what we were covering, so that when I left, and you know, years down the line, that they would still be able to have that as a foundation. So, what interesting program have you created, or teaching method that have you have created that you see as effective, and you would not have been doing this in other traditional classrooms? Yeah, so I'd say for the textbook that I was using at the time, it. Primarily expected students to memorize vocabulary through rote means. In terms of、um, students, were expected to recognize the English word just by looking at it and be able to to recognize it based upon seeing it in in the future. That was the primary、uh, method for for helping students develop their reading abilities and, and vocabulary. And so,、uh, in in the time that I I worked as a teacher, my first two years, I I wanted to do more in terms of helping students develop.、Uh, A foundation、uh, for being able to read, and so I, I developed. I, I did some research online and, and looked at different resources, and I ended up working on a, a phonics curriculum where I would teach students phonetically how to read, and and it was actually it was it was a great experience because I, I could definitely see that it, it had a a large impact on student learning on top of the the books、uh, that and then the methods that they were they were. Currently using at that time, so、um, for me, but it was it was also a challenge because it wasn't just you know teaching a student one on one phonics. It was thinking about how you could teach a classroom of say thirty、uh, or so students how to do that. So so you know another challenge with that was how to think make things really engaging and interesting. And so you know I, I you'd have to think up different methods, songs, or different ways of describing things that that involve、mm. participation from numerous students and. 
uh, yeah, but it, but in the end, it was it was very rewarding because for those students who I worked with, like I could really see that they went from being able to recognize some words to being being basic level readers and being able to to recognize and read words that they hadn't encountered before. So that was that was an exciting opportunity. It kind of branched from that that freedom that I that I had to to work with the the curriculum. That's great. So it's more than just them imitating your accent. You have to also teach them the root of the words so that they can recognize different words in the future. Do you have in mind one specific conversation that opened your mind or or made you think differently?、Uh, made you realize that there's a group of people thinking differently, experience differently than you? Yeah, I I think perhaps rather than. You know, one one specific conversation that comes to mind. I I think I would mention like a time when I when I I guess allowed myself to go further in terms of being able to、uh, make a friend in China, be able to explore the area where they lived and and the things that they like to do more.、It's、actually, going back to I I mentioned earlier、uh, the time that I traveled in the Hainan province, and I was actually there was once when I was biking through and and I was. Having lunch in a, a market, and somebody came up and and asked me, "Oh, you know, do you do you want to get a milk tea together?" And I was I was a little bit caught off guard at that moment because I I didn't know who this person was, and I was wondering if if something was up and such. But I I decided to go and accept and and talk with、uh, with with this guy, and his, and then we met up with a few of his friends, and、um, it actually turned out to be a great experience in terms of、uh, first being able to. Meet and talk with them there, and then they ended up showing me around where they lived. And、uh, we actually, like in that traveling experience, we actually hung out for a few days. And I, I feel like it was one of one of the most authentic experiences I've had in terms of really being able to, I guess, get past, I guess, the more the, the types of touristy things that, that one would typically do when traveling through an area like that without much background experience, and really trying to. And it's really great opportunity to see the way that locals and people my my age would would live and the types of things they like to do. And so、uh, that's great.、Really、yeah, I mean, in that, yeah. yeah, I had similar experience when I was traveling in Saigon in Vietnam. Do you have in mind the most interesting person you have met in China? Yeah, that's that's a that's a great question.、Um, yeah, you know, I I <laughs> I I don't know. It's 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 hard to. You know, say say so so discreetly in terms of like the one specific person because I've 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 met so many different amazing people and I I've lived and traveled there and、uh, I I guess what would come to mind is is my co-teacher my first year、uh, seeing、uh, she she was really really great in terms of helping me understand education in China and understand a lot about Chinese culture and so I I think. Through working with her, and and she was somebody who was always, always really patient in terms of being able to explain things to me, and and I guess be able to, I guess go deep in terms of the the roots of of why things were are the way that they are, and 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 how different、uh, Chinese history and and culture plays into the、uh, education and things in in China. Yeah, I think when I first came to China, I. Mm, that's that's a great question. <laughs> a lot of things were surprising. I think, 
I remember name a few. Name a few. When I first came to China, yeah, I, I think I think one thing that that really surprised me is really what a large city Beijing was, and just uh, <laughs> how many how many people lived there. And I think when I when I first moved to China, I, I had a very low Chinese proficiency, and I think Beijing seemed like there was just so much happening. It was it was like really it, it seemed in certain ways. Just, just a lot to take in, and, and and at certain times like disorderly. But it was kind of funny when I went back a couple of years ago after I had studied and lived in China for that period of time, and suddenly I felt like Beijing made so much more so much more sense in terms of the way it was laid out and and、uh, the way that things run. And I actually came to, I guess, really be impressed in a lot of ways in terms of how how effectively Beijing runs in terms of public transit and different things like that. You know, with the With the massive amount of people who live there. All right. What's your favorite Shanghai food? My oh, my favorite Shanghai food is Shengjianbao, which are、okay. it's, a, it's a type of soup dumpling,、um, which is something that I never knew about before going and living in China for the first time. But it's it's essentially it's a it's a type of pork dumpling that before you eat it, you need to bite a, a tiny hole and and suck like a very very savory type of soup out of and it. Which I guess, you know, if I'd heard about that several years ago before I'd had it, I think I think that would sound kind of strange to me. But it's really it's one of the most delicious things I've ever had. So, I yeah, every time I go to to Shanghai, I I try to have that daily. 小羊生煎包 yeah, they fry they fry the bottom and the top, right? Uh, yeah, the spot where I go, they just just the bottom. Yeah, yeah, I like that one too. So you you studied in Xi'an for. How long? A while. I was there for about seven and a half months. Okay, I I've been there too. When I was there, I heard their their accent or the local dialect that they speak resembles a lot with the written ancient Chinese language. So I think it's a really traditional place. What do you think? Yeah, that's that's. I I agree completely. I I think living in Xi'an, it was it was really amazing, a really amazing opportunity to learn about traditional Chinese culture and history. Um, yeah, really going back from the first emperor to in China up through the the Tang Dynasty, they all all had major operations, and I guess with with the the palace being located just out of modern day Xi'an.、Um, so yeah, in terms of the the museums and different history, and and even just I I feel like a lot of people who live in Xi'an are are very interested in. Traditional Chinese history, so it was, it was actually it was, it was great to to learn about that in in my time there, and also yeah, it's pretty it was nice being such a short ride away from、uh, the Bing Maiyong, and also、yeah. uh, like the provincial like history museum, which yeah, both both which which are really great. Yeah, yeah, it's like the one of the top ten world museum, I think the provincial one. I've been there too, and it's free admission.、Mm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's yeah, it's really great, and、uh, yeah, it was just it was just a、uh, a few blocks away from the school where I was at, so I was, it was actually great to go and and explore that in in days I had off. So, do you know that terracotta warriors before they were excavated, they were colorful. There was colors on them. Talking about when they they when they were initially made, or or when they were initially dug up. Dug up. There was color on it, and then didn't know they didn't know at the time how to preserve it, and it's just instantly becoming. Earth color. Wow! I, yeah, I didn't know that. That's, that's fascinating. Yeah, there was a、uh, one that one that's in an exhibition glass box. 
it has still has the color pink and green on it and other colors. Oh, okay. oh, really? Okay. Yeah, that's, that's that's fascinating. I'll, I'll have I'll have to look for that next time. Mm-hmm. But yeah, something I love. I, I I hear that there's um I believe it's an emperor's tomb or or a, a tomb of a of a former leader where he was I guess buried under a small mountain out out in an area that's a little more rural from a little, a little further away from Xi'an mm-hmm. and that for I guess for for ages people weren't quite sure how to enter into this this tomb mm-hmm. um, that was located as, as a part of this mountain and I, I guess when they finally figured out how to enter into it what they decided to do was was not and just just to preserve it and and so it's it's something that one day when the technology is available to to effectively preserve what's what's there within that tomb so I, I think I think that's neat and it, it makes me think of that in terms of how how people in that area are, are are becoming very conscious about preservation efforts, and so you can avoid things like, uh, you know, I guess losing the pristine original color of the of the terracotta warriors. Mm, yeah, are you talking about Qin Shi Huang, the first emperor? Because because his oh, tomb, I, we found I, it, but we didn't open it. They were saying it's filled up with mercury to prevent oh, really? anyone to yeah to prevent anyone to to open it. Because in Chinese history, there's a lot of uh, thieves, people who burglar into the tomb. Because for the burial, they all the royal people have a lot of treasuries goes in the tomb with them. Yeah, yeah, you know that's fascinating. I, 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 I'm unable to say for certain uh, who, who it is who I'm thinking of, but but it sounds yeah, it sounds like you you could be right about that. Yeah, there's there's a whole whole new topic. This is a whole new topic. I can go on for, for very long about this, but I'm um, I'm gonna stop. Okay. Thank you for joining okay. us today, yeah. Devin. Um, thank you for your time. Yeah, yeah, of course. Thank you so much for having me. Mm. Go on, have some Taiwan soup noodles for us. <laughs> okay, we'll do. All right, thank you, thank you very much. Okay. If you like our podcast, or if you like what Devin Wilson shared here, please comment below, and we'll get back to you. This is a Teach for the Futures, a true expat story. Thank you.